Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, Jimmy's back with us in the form of a voice note for this one and I'm joined by Adam Brown and Sam Whedon. To be honest, there's not much to say today that hasn't been repeated a number of times in recent weeks and months, but we'll do our best for you, so enjoy if you can. Adam, back after another defeat, sorry mate. Yeah, well, it's hardly surprising, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Are you both well? Yeah. Yeah, good, thank you mate, how are you? Yeah, aside from the obvious, not too bad to be fair. Yeah, all good. Yeah, before we get into this, as I say at the start of every episode, you can support us here at From the Finney with a one-off or a regular donation. It's entirely up to you. Just head over to supported.acast.com forward slash From the Finney and anything that is received is massively appreciated. helps keep us running and uh, minimise our costs for putting these out every week and goes some way to making the hours that go into it a bit more stomachable, but especially at the moment anyway. Um, yeah, boys, We'll we'll start with the obvious place. Um, it it was a decent first few minutes, and and I think on the whole an, an okay first half yesterday. But did you really have any confidence that we were going to hold hold on to a one 0 lead? Because Cardiff couldn't have really been much worse than they were. Let's be honest. You knew they were going to come flying out the trap second half, and obviously I think the frustrating thing for me is it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? We're having good spells in games like we have. I mean. It was a bit more sustained yesterday. We were decent for the first half as opposed for a 10, 15, 20-minute spell. But second half, it was just like a ground dog day, innit? Got the, probably the manager of the worst CV in the Football League tactically out his depth once again, tinkering with it too much, like Jimmy said. And just, it's ground dog day, innit? You're running out of words. You're not even frustrated anymore. You're not even sort of peed off. You're just used to it, which is wrong, really. You're not getting this excitement out of the football club, which seems to be the what the... Uh, overriding theme is on Twitter at the moment if you look through what the Preston fans are saying Yeah I think when, when you go into the second half and Cardiff switched it a bit brought Collins on went a lot more direct I think at that point we probably needed somebody who could just like relax a little bit on the ball um, I thought Ledson was too erratic yesterday at times and I think Brown touched on it in his, his post-match interview saying that People just getting knocking things out for corners, throw-ins, and playing into their hands in the second half, really. And I think I think we missed Whiteman definitely yesterday, which which beggars the question of why there was that period when he wasn't playing him. I just I don't understand that. But yeah, it's a bit of a theme for our squad, really. When key players go out, it's so obvious when we miss them. Like when Bauer went injured the other day, was injured against Forest, and. Um, yeah, it was just, the second half was so bad. It really was, yesterday. Sam, you mentioned Jimmy there. I suppose it's probably a good time to say that he's only with us in voice note form today. So I'll uh, I'll let you listen to Jim. And we'll reflect on what he said after the next five or six minutes or so. Hey chaps, hope you're all well. Sorry can't be with you today. Um, it's the wife's birthday, so spend the day with the family. 
and I suppose after the 90 minutes we've just endured, I could do the day of football to be honest. Um, we're calling this at R5, so pretty much straight after the game. So not really had much time to think about things. I like to reflect quite a bit on games, but I've not been, really been able to. It's just been hearing what's been said on Radio Lanks. And to be fair, Steve Ayres, the, the Radio Lanks summarises, just, just knocked it on the head, to be fair. He's, he's, he's rammed up really well. Um, I, I, I'm just in shock. I, I'm in shock at what I've just seen. Um, first half of the game, you know, as soon as I seen the team sheet and didn't see Kiefer Moore in there 11 or on the bench, I thought, I've got a chance here. And then... You know, taking the lead after a couple of minutes, knocking on the door early doors as well. I thought we played some good first, good stuff first half, and deservedly took the lead uh, with the conditions at that point as well. Uh, if we're honest, but we've got to take advantage of the game when we're on top of it, and I just didn't think we did. You know, leading one at half time, it should have been two ideally. You know, we never let Cardiff in the game. They've not threatened Dan at all in the in in our goal and. You know, didn't really offer much going forward in that first half, but football's um, a dangerous game. And obviously, since Steve Morrison's gone in there, you've seen their results. You know, when they went to Stoke, for example, and were 3 0 down and turned it around to draw three apiece, you, you know they're a dangerous side. But you, you saw that as soon as they came out second half, you knew it was a, you knew we were in a game. And, you know, they've hit the post very early. And we just never got going second half, which is a real shame. I don't know what was said at half time, but it, it didn't do anything for him. And, you know, Cardiff couldn't have been any worse second half because they were absolutely dreadful first half. So you knew they were going to get a rocket. You knew they were going to make a couple of changes, you know, in personnel and shape. And, you know, bringing on James Collins sort of changed the game for him. Um, two set-piece goals, which is really frustrating from our perspective. And... Um, that conceded and we just weren't in it second half if we're honest you know it, it could have been four or five you know Daniel Iverson's save is ridiculous um it's past him I don't know how he saved it um but yeah we were absolutely battered weren't we second half and it was a really alarming performance in that second half I think tactically Frankie got it completely wrong second half with the subs he made um you know, going three four three, we we didn't know what we we're doing. You know, Sinclair and uh, Maguire just behind Reese in a three. We did look lost. We we couldn't get a foot in the game. Um, you know, playing the midfield two of McCann and Brown just just killed us. You know, as soon as took Ledson off, I didn't think Ledson was great first half. Um, but you you know you need someone on the pitch that can be a bit of an enforcer, put himself about. And as soon as he went off, I thought, oh God, we're in trouble. You know, and he rectified it by about 10, 15 minutes late when he put DJ on to go back to a three midfield. But too much tinkering that second half. We never got any sort of momentum, never got any tempo going. Um, I think their keepers made one decent save, but apart from that, I can't really remember many other pressing opportunities, sadly. Obviously, there's a lot of talk on social media about where does this leave us? What do we do now? I think, you know, judging by Jake and Peter's chat, with George this week, I can't see Frankie going anywhere, but I I really struggle to see where we go from here. And obviously, Middlesbrough is a massive game Tuesday night. Not seeing any results today, so I don't know how they've got on. So Jake, you might have to inform everyone what the result was, but like that's going to be 
a challenge to say the least. I'm just flat. I just feel really deflated. Just didn't see any. There's just no positives to take from the game in my perspective. In my opinion, probably Daniel Iverson and, and Set played well. I thought in in stages, but you, you know we relied on two lone players to get us out of the shit. And you know Pat did all right. Hughes did all right, but I need to look at the goals back again because they're just so poor to concede. And yeah. We're in a pickle, aren't we? You know, we've just got to be really honest with ourselves, chaps. You know, it's all well and good. Peter coming on the podcast and saying we're capable of challenging for the top six. You know, there's there's no top six in the championship we're capable of competing with at this moment in time, unfortunately, with this coach and this squad. Um, needs improvement, you know, from top to bottom, unfortunately. And I, I just don't think Frankie's the man to do it. Um, I, I really don't. I just think tactically, you know, it's not the first time we've mentioned this this season. You're tactically just not very good. And where do we go from here? Uh, well, we've got to Middlesbrough, obviously, but I just worry because, like, you look at these next three fixtures, you know, Middlesbrough away, Fulham at home, we were absolutely flying. And then Rovers away next Saturday. You know, I'm absolutely petrified about going to Rovers at this moment in time because. Yeah, I don't want to see us get beat there. Not as a South Ribbler, yeah, that'll really hurt. But, you know, and then we've got Barnsley at home the week after, and then Millwall away. You know, it's it's just relentless, the championship. You know, then Sheffield United at home, West Brom away, Stoke away. You know, these games, I'm, I'm looking at them now and thinking, shit, where's where's the points coming from? But just going to have faith that somewhere along the line, we're going to pick up the points that we're going to need to... To stay in the division. Someone mentioned Hull of one today coming off the game. I was like, oh God, another team that's going to catch us. But, you know, Cardiff was six points behind us going into today. You know, we could have been nine points ahead of them. You know, a nice little cushion. And now it's three points behind us they are. And, uh, you know, I, I, I seriously think that they'll overtake us quite quickly. So, yeah, sorry to be so flat. Sorry to be so down, but quite despondent tonight. And I've got to put a brave face on it. You know, whilst I'm going to have something to eat, so... Yeah, thanks for being my weekend, lads. Cheers. Yeah, I think everything that Jim said there, to be fair, is he's spot on. And let's be honest, there's no point. You know, everything we've got to say is probably exactly the same. It's just, it, it's reached a point for me now where something has to give. Has to give. I think, do I think he's going to go this weekend? Probably not. However... I have a feeling that the time is getting closer, uh, whether Tuesday night or Fulham on Saturday, or perhaps it gets to Rovers a week on Saturday. I, f- I feel like one of those three games is going to be the final straw for him. It just seems as though we're delaying the inevitable, and we have been doing it for a few for you know a few months now. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean we're in a position where look, everyone's accepted that. Well, I mean. Peter Isdale was saying we can make the playoffs, but everyone's accepted that it is a season of transition and probably does need a few more windows. But why haven't we got a manager in there to provide some inspiration or you know some something that you can look and go, you know what, we're going in the right direction? It was a stopgap at the time, um, and that's nothing more than it will be. And and I just think we're just delaying the inevitable. And if you look at the next few fixtures, you get to Rovers. It's probably going to be a key point that because if we lose it, everyone's going to be upset anyway. But then it's the Barnsley game next, which would be a massive game for us to go into. And you're probably looking at that getting a new game. manager in then. Yeah, that Barnsley game could quite easily be the start of our relegation battle. 
you know, I know there's a lot of other games to be played around the league in terms of other teams that are around us. And, you know, it might not be. But if the teams that are below us start picking up points in the next three games and we don't, that Barnsley game is massive. I'm going to go out on a limb and say if Frankie's still here by the Stoke game on the third, we'll be in the bottom three at the end of that game. I'm pretty confident looking at the fixtures we've got, looking at the form that the teams have got a player sort of picking in, looking at the form of the bottom three and looking at how just downright tragic our football is and the sort of the overall sort of feeling around the club. I would not be surprised at all if we're in the bottom three after that Stoke game, which would yeah. be in a really bad position going into the window in terms of attracting players and the overall. You know, trying to get your key assets like Bauer and Barkus and Tad down. It's going to be an absolutely hellish window once again. I think what's interesting is is that when when Neil, when, and I, we always go back to Neil, but it, it's, it's a valid point in that when when people were calling for his head, there was a lot of cry for people in support of him. I honestly haven't seen anybody in support of Frankie at all. It, it, it's it's probably it's galvanised the fan base in in yeah. that you know I think everybody's come to that conclusion now, apart from. You know, one person. I think. Uh, I think before the international break, I think there was a smattering of fans, wasn't there, that were of the mind that Frankie should have more time. But like you say, I think you know it's it's almost unanimous now. I suspect if you were to do a straw poll of the fans, it'd be over ninety-seven percent would say, "Yeah, time for a change." There's always one or two that like to be different to try and get their opinions to stand out. But I think, without being too cynical, if you have the best interests of the football club at heart and if you can on hand on heart say that you enjoy watching us play at the minute you're like I'm just not having it yeah because we're terrible and if we're if we're in this league position and you see some form of some hope with Frankie's system if he was trying to get us to play some expansive attractive style which you know can take time you'd have some sort of patience with him but the football is absolutely dreadful you know the way he treats the fans what he said about the fans like I keep mentioning has been dreadful the yeah. three wins and 13 is dreadful and when you've got uh, you know, obviously Peter Ridsdale, who I respect coming out and talking to like, you know, us on the pod and making these statements, I respect, but talking about the playoffs is ludicrous. And I tweeted it yesterday myself, like three wins in 13, a manager who I believe has probably the worst CV in the top four leagues of English football. It's just not a recipe for the playoffs at all or competing for the playoffs. I'm seriously worried now looking over my shoulder with, you know, some of the results we've had recently and, you know, even more than that, the performances. Yeah, it's... Something that sort of stuck with me when, when we spoke to Peter the other week was that, you know, I suspect it stuck with a lot of people as well, was his comments about only being five points off the playoffs and there's a gap between us and the bottom three, but now that gap's down to six points, you know, and we, we don't look like picking up any points. People, if you listen to people it. point to the Bournemouth performance and the Bournemouth game, but it's one game. And to be honest, if you were to look at those us two teams before that, You'd probably, maybe not other fans, but North End fans, I think, would probably have earmarked that game and thought, do you know what, this is something that you wouldn't put past North End to go out and sort of upset the uh, the apple cart, so to speak. But this, this the styles of the two teams, I think it worked in our favour. You know, the back five, you sit off them, let them have the ball, press them at the right times, take your chances, and that's what we did on the night. But... Where else have we seen a performance like that this season? We haven't. If you look at Brown's comments afterwards, the, the, the polar opposite to what Peter Isdale was saying to you the other day, Jake. You know, he says we're not deluded and, and we're in, you know, we're in a bit of a mess. But you know, Peter Isdale saying we're only five points off the playoffs. 
that's a worrying disconnect for me. You know, yeah, this, there's, there's no unity. We're not, you know, united as a fan base all the way up to the top. One one thing I will say on that is, I think it's also worth remembering. Peter's not going to come out and slag off the manager that he's employed equally. You know, he's he's going to back him publicly. Otherwise, why would he keep him in the job? So to an extent, you know, I understand Peter not coming out and saying, "Yeah, you're right. He's not he's not the man for the job on a podcast." Because he's not going to do it, is he? Yeah, but you've got to be realistic, haven't you? You know, it's to say, we're, yeah. say, we're, say there's an opportunity to get to the playoffs or five points off the playoffs. It's like, come on. We're not stupid. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. we're fans. We watch this team every week. To say that to me is just... And then watching that yesterday, how how you can support that yesterday. You know, anybody coming off the game yesterday, that second half was was appalling. Well, there's pe- people who've left at half-time, people who've left... Just after half time, I noticed around 75, 80 minutes that there was on the town end, there seemed to be like just droves of people walking down the stairs and heading off. And, you know, attendances are declining as it is. You don't want people that do come and turn up to be put off even more by the football. Like, I'm sure you've both seen it on Twitter this morning and last night. There's people that are, you know, they're saying they've paid for a season ticket but decided not to go on or saying, I've got a season ticket and I am i don't really want to come on against Fulham. You know, the game's on TV, it's 12.30 kickoff, and we're playing a team who have a player that scored more goals than 45% of the league. It's heartbreaking, us. to be honest. Yeah. You know, what is, there, what is there to get you sort of excited and thinking, do you know what, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go on and watch North End v Fulham. Previous seasons under Alex, you know, those big games, Leeds, always packed out. It'll be dead. It'll be absolutely dead on Saturday. And it's sad. It's sad because that's not, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just so, the, the football and the style of play, you just can't subscribe to that. I'm sorry, you just can't. It's a working class, like, city though. I mean, I, think, I can't remember what manager said it, whether it was Phil Brown or Graham Wesley. So, like, the people Graham Wesley, it? Yeah, to, you know, for all his flaws, he hit the nail on the head when he said that, like, People like they go to work every day. You might not enjoy your job. You might not enjoy, you know, your education, whatever you're going through. But the people are pressed, and you work hard. You want to pay your money, and you want to be entertained on a Saturday. And when you're playing dreadful football, big apathy around the club. You know, little things like bringing in Chad Evans on a two-year contract. It's just sort of a big two fingers up to the fan base, and especially you know a lot going on around sexual assault. It's just I find bringing him in like that just insulting, to be honest. And anyone who has no issue with bringing Chad Evans in and thinks it's almost laughable, like it's get a grip and it's just the whole apathy around the club at the minute shocking and the fact that you know the working class people are Preston who the football club's the huge part of the life I mean I've grown up obsessed with like Preston every you know when I was growing up as a little boy every fucking poster in my room was North End I had flags everywhere it was a massive part of my life and for people to have that disconnect with the football club it's just it's heartbreaking to see to be honest and it worries me you know knowing like the younger generation coming up what's going to make them going to want to support Preston North End and going on on a wet and cold Tuesday night or a wet and cold Saturday when they could be watching United on the TV. At the end of the day, they're more attractive propositions for young fans than what North End are willing to do and what's going on at the minute. And that's my biggest worry now for the future of the football club. And I don't think I'm the only one who sort of has that sort of worry in my mind. No, you're definitely not. I've never in my life felt as flat as I do about the club that I love. I think, I don't know if I said this to Jimmy recently, I think now I'm going on more out of habit than anything else. You know, I'm 29. 
25 years of my life have been going on Deepdale every other Saturday. You know, it's just what I know, it's what I do. But I'm not excited about it anymore. Yeah, it's, it's so, it, that, it is so concerning because that's, there's a lot of people saying that, you know, it's not just you, Jake, it's, it's, there's a lot of people and you see it on social media and, and I get social media is not exactly a, an ideal snapshot of how a fan base would feel, but if that feeling gets, you know, you're within that echo chamber and that, you know, that raises and raises and raises and people start feeling similar, then you, it, there's a knock-on effect then, isn't there? Um, and sadly, it is that way. And it, and it isn't just this season. It, it's got, for me, for me, it, it goes back to time and time again as a North End fan, it's happened. I'm older than you two. It's happened when I've been supporting North End. When we've got into a position to push on, we've not invested at the right time. And that last time when we were in January, when we were sixth in the table, was kind of, you know, it's kind of realisation for me that this happened a few times and even if we get to that position again, something similar would happen again. Um, um, and I don't think you're much older than me, to be fair, Adam, but, you know, I'm, it's exactly the same. You know, you can go back to David Moyes, Billy Davis, uh I dare say even Simon Grayson to an extent, even though we never really looked like getting into the playoffs. We were we were never miles away from it, but the investment never came in January when, when we were on the cusp of potentially doing something. Or even when we were in the top six, like we were under Alex. And that's where it stems from. And that this all this feeling now is an accumulation of that that's yeah. gone on. Um and I think I think probably now is the point where it's coming to a head where we do need pretty much a big change now. It, I know I know McAvoy was part of that before, but we probably need someone to come in now to properly galvanise the fan yeah. base again and get everyone back on track because we we are we are sliding into this you know malaise um, and it's it's pretty I think pretty grim really. People will come out and say Peter needs to go. The Hemmings family needs to sell up, blah, blah, blah. But I think first and foremost, we're a football club. We're fans of the football club. When you turn up on a Saturday, whether it's home or away, you want to be entertained. You know, obviously you want to win games, but you don't want to be turning up and watching a pathetic performance on a Saturday afternoon or a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. And for me, the first point of that change has to start on the pitch. We need someone that can come in give us an identity, get the players well drilled. At times yesterday, the lads didn't look like they know, knew what they were doing. You know, it's... Like we've conceded two set pieces and you look at Cardiff, I think something like... I, I don't even know what, but something like 30 40% of their goals this season have come from set pieces home and away. So you you know what they're what they're about. And I know they've changed manager and Mick McCarthy's not in charge anymore, but if almost 40% of your goals of a season have come from set pieces, you're not going to change it in two or three games. You're going to stick with it, especially when you've got players like Aidan Flint are an absolute giant. And we concede two set poor set pieces. Could have been more though, couldn't it? They yeah. the post and then Iverson save, but they weren't set pieces, you know. So it's it could have been more yesterday. Like Jimmy said, it's a card for that Keith Moore as well. Like, you know, you're looking at could have got embarrassing if he's getting on the end of them chances. You're suddenly looking at it could have been three or four, which I feel could have been a yeah. close mix for Frankie and also the mood around Deepdale, because as bad as it was, 
you know, we've managed to keep it somewhat respectable. So if you know you're suddenly conceding three, four, or five, I think it does get very ugly. And that's my worry when we're playing Fulham next weekend because some of the chances that Cardiff missed yesterday, Mitrovic isn't going to miss them. Harry Wilson isn't going to miss them. People like that aren't going to miss them. So, yeah. you know, the Thump Blackburn for seven, I, you know, I like to think we'll keep it a lot more respectable than that. But I'm seriously worried for next week. And Blackburn the week after, you know, players like Brevet and Diaz on fire, it's not going to be let's, pretty let's few weeks. Tuesday night either, you know, Borough brought in Chris Wilder. He, he's a he's a winner, you know, whether it's League Two, League One, Championship, he knows how to get a team playing and playing well because he's won promotion from, I think, all three of those divisions. He's definitely from League One and the Championship. And he took Sheffield United to, like, 10th or 11th, whatever it was, in their first season in the Prem. So, you know, Borough have gone and brought in a manager like that where do you even begin when it comes to North End? It just shows the sort of difference between the clubs, you know, not what, you know, North End couldn't dream of attracting, you know, no disrespect to us, North End couldn't dream of attracting a manager of that sort of prestige. And even over the summer, I saw some fans saying, oh, we should be looking to bring in Wilder, Eddie Howe, even Rafa Benitez. And, you know, I think them people need to really look and realise where we're at. There's nothing, there's nothing... For a manager, anyway, he's got experience of success in the Championship of the Premier League, like you and me said off uh, off recording, Jake. The only real attractive proposition for North End would be for a, a lower league manager the fact that it is Championship football. You know, it's you know we're not going to spend stupid transfer fees. The manager himself isn't going to get massive money. We don't play in front of big crowds. The general direction of the clubs on a downwards trajectory. That's you know the only real manager we're looking to attract is an up and coming League One one. And I don't mean to talk about managers coming in while Frankie's still in the job because whatever people's opinion of Frankie is, he still is in the job and we've got to respect that. But there's nothing attractive about North End and it shows that, you know, the difference in the clubs are competing with. The fact that Middlesbrough can bring someone like that in with, you know, they don't spend huge, they don't offer huge wages particularly. It's just shows where we're at. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And, you know, the the names that were banded about in the summer, Rafa Benitez, etc. We've never been a club that does that, whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch appointments and you know we will always be a club that has to sort of look to the lower levels most of the time for managers players whatever it may be and give someone a chance but people will say well Frankie deserved it he he did everything he could he he kept us up I don't really like the argument that he kept us up because if we hadn't have won another game after Alex left, we wouldn't have been relegated with the points that we had when Alex left. I think we'd have been fourth bottom, so it's tight, but we wouldn't have been relegated. So, yes, Frankie did a good job, not denying that, but there was a lot of dead rubbers in there. We got pumped by Norwich and scabbed a one-all draw. And... The other games were just, you know, we got absolutely battered by Brentford. We got ripped to shreds by Brentford. And there's, it's all right pointing to that, that end of season run, but it, there was just so many, like, nothing games in it. To think, yeah. I can only beat what's in front of you, but um, having said that, Jake, I'm confident Alex Neal, no matter what form we were on or what the sort of tension was between him and the board or whatever, I'm confident he'd have picked up some points out of them games. 100%. Just because... We never really had that run, did we? Where we, you know, lost everything. I mean, even to the lead up to when you were getting sacked, we let's not. You know, had a really street performance against Huddersfield, beat Wheat Blackburn in the derby. Like, yeah, let's let's not sort of 
piss off listeners either that are listening that hated Alex because I don't think keeping him would have been the right thing to do. I think it was oh, no, the right time all. for the change. The football had been dreadful to watch for best part of 12 months, 18 months. You know, even going back to before COVID, it wasn't great to watch. I remember the game at Deepdale when we were down to 10 men against, was it QPR? Uh, yeah. Sorry, they went yeah. down to 10 men yeah. and beat us 3-1. You know, I'm, this isn't an Alex Neal loving, but I think to... I, I hate saying it because I, I don't want to knock the job that Frankie did, but I feel like some in some quarters, in some areas in, in the summer, it was blown out of proportion to the point where it was like, well, he, he, he definitely deserves the job. You can easily say to him, look, Frankie, thanks. You've done a brilliant job. You've kept us in the league. Um, you've picked up a great amount of points, whatever it may be. But we're going to go out and look for someone with a bit more experience, someone who's been around the block a bit, someone who has been a manager for however many years. And thanks. See you later. Here's your severance package. Done. There was, there was rumours around the time, and I think even before, before Neil went about, that summer there was going to be a change of direction anyway um, and we were reverting to the head coach role. But we've kind of just put all that on hold and just renamed who the manager is as a head coach and there's not really anything that's kind of, there's no new direction or anything like that as a club. We've kind of just stayed exactly as we are but the manager's got a different name. (laughs) That's it. Shop's in the same window, know what you mean, Adam? It's all quite different. You think of it, oh, maybe recruiting from different Styles. I see a lot of fans asking for a, a broad transfer, which obviously worked with MLRs, but you've got to remember with Brexit, that's a lot harder to, to come by. But that's what, I think that worried me. Like It sounded like, you know, we're going to new style of recruit, recruitment. You know, I think one thing that has changed is they've tried to give, well, there's talk about giving youth a chance, but realistically, Rodwell Grant was on the bench because we had injuries to the front line. He wasn't there but over any of the forwards. And uh, a lot of the youth have been shipped out on loan. So, you know, there's no real signs yet of change. Having said that, I think, it might well be incremental change. It might take time to really show whether it be, you know, next summer or even the summer after that. You know, it is a transitional period. But like you say, Adam, I don't think, you know, from that summer there was little evidence of change. And had there not been that talk about change, you wouldn't really, you know, really see any differences, would you? Well, I just think, that I think Frankie, Frankie doing so well has kind of stalled things, really. And it's kind of, like I said before, a bit of a stopgap. You only got to look at what United have, have done, you know, with Solskjaer in that he was a success and they ended up keeping him. It turned out he clearly wasn't the right man for the job. So he, they've potted him today and they've missed out on Conte by two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. If they'd have taken action, they could have had Antonio Conte in charge. I'm not com- trying to compare us to that, by the way, for anyone <laughs> that maybe thinks I am. But you get to a position where, I mean, come on, I mean, you, you knew that was inevitable. And I'm kind of getting a similar feeling to what what it is for us at the minute and you yeah I think the perfect opportunity was post Blackpool game you know the apathy was well apart from yesterday to be fair I haven't heard booze that loud in a long time but uh, the apathy after the Blackpool game was there to be seen you know we publicly called out the fans and I think everyone was saying defeat in that Luton game and he's gone but it seems to be and everyone was saying before that you know if he hadn't beaten Coventry he's gone I feel like the club room is just waiting for that chance so they've sort of got no choice now and you know, I'd the go general even back than the Blackpool game. I'd have said after the Huddersfield game was the perfect time because we were awful. We had so much of the ball but created absolutely fuck all and they beat us without a shot on target. It's embarrassing, isn't it? And, you know, being there at, at the ground 
we were just <laughs> we were shocking. And you know, that was was that the third game of the season, I think? So we had the whole game, Reading, Huddersfield away, with the Mansfield game in between. You know, we got pumped by Hull, four one. We we didn't even match up to them on the day. They they were they ran out deserved winners. And you look at their form since, they're shit. They are absolutely garbage. I think they've won something like four or five championship games in the last 47 or something like that. They're well, the lowest scorers in the league and they put four past them. Yeah. Then Reading 2-1. You know, go back and listen to the podcast that we did after that. I think I hammered Jordan's story and I think that was when a certain nickname for a certain left-footed centre-back was coined by a certain member of the podcast who isn't here today. Um <laughs> And then, you know, and then the Huddersfield away game and you're just like, come on, you know, what a horrendous start to the season. Pre-season didn't feel like it was much better than how the season started either. And for me, that felt like the perfect time to do it. You know, he's, he's, had, a, he's had a chance. Thanks, but see you later. But then I think if we'd have gone to Peterborough and lost, they'd have almost certainly sacked him. But then we beat yeah. Peterborough and we beat Swansea and suddenly, you know, he's... Got a bit of thing. We went on this the same quotation on beat and run where we, you know, we have Daniel Alvarez to thank for scaven draws against some pretty to save us some some pretty shoddy performances. It was five five draws on the trot, one defeat, and then a draw before our next win. So six six draws and one defeat in seven between between wins. And you know the Stoke one one got Dan Iverson to thank for that. Um, Chef United, it's a last minute. It's a great finish from Emil, but it's a last-minute goal that's nicked as a point. Feels better than it is, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, with the emotion added into it and whatnot. West Brom should have beaten us, like, if we're being honest. You know, there's three games there that we've you look at and we, we were lucky to get a point from. But it, it's pointed to as, oh, it's this unbeaten run. I think the concerning thing for me is, I mean, you can start, anyone can start a season poorly or well. It's kind of getting into it slowly. It's the games we've won. I mean, we, we haven't even, I, I can't think of many times a season we've actually played well and, and, and played well for a whole game as well. Um, that's to be fair, I think the only, the only game that I've thought we've looked good for the, for the majority of the game was probably the Peterborough game. We should have scored more than the one that we did. They never really threatened us. I know they, they started turning the screw a bit toward the end of the game and Dan Iverson makes that save in the last minute, but that's probably the only game for me that, that jumps out where I'm looking at it and thinking, yeah, there was something there. But I mean, people point to the Bournemouth game, but we kind of did a job, didn't we? On yeah. that, you know, that was kind of a, the tactics worked on that day, but I, I don't think we've played particularly well for the majority of the season, which is concerning, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, what fans fans want to see the the small shoots of hope, you know, in a style of play, uh, patterns of play, attacking patterns of play, and there's there's you're just seeing nothing. There's balls lumped up into the channels for Emil or Shawnee to run onto, and you're looking for an overlap from a wing back or you're bringing a centre mid into play. And our top scorer takes long throwings. Yeah. <laughs> But have we, have we? You know, there's all this about the long throw-ins. Have we scored from any of them, or a second phase of one? Fact that we even looked threatening from one, because for me, they seem to get cleared away by first man, and then you know, did we get the penalty we... from one at Reading? Mm, possibly, yeah. 
But I think that's about it. In terms so, of... you know, if it's clearly not working, why are we persisting with it? Just It just makes no sense. Um, I'd much rather play it short and get across into the box. But... Say that again, Sam. I'd much rather get it on the floor quickly and get across into the box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, right. it, it's just... There's, there's literally nothing to, po- to be positive about at the minute. It's, it's I think so this is serious times for the club, though. Like, if we go down to League One now, I don't think it will be like it was last time, where the people of Preston tend to, you know, stick together. And you know, when we went down, down last time, our form towards the end under Phil Brown, there was some sort of hope. You know, we kept hold of some big players, and you know, obviously we didn't. It took us four years to get back out, but there was that sort of hope that if we go down now, the fans are so disengaged. There's such a a lack of reason for young fans, I previously mentioned, to come on. There's so much apathy towards the hierarchy of the club and you know the manager at the moment I could just see it being disastrous I could see us struggling to get crowds of above yeah. 8,000 and it's just could be seriously disastrous for the football club and that's my biggest worry yeah it's going to be it's going to be a long few few weeks for the next couple of weeks I think and you know <laughs> let's not beat about the bush this podcast hasn't followed normal sort of patterns if you will you know but I just I have I have no desire to to recap the game. I'm sure people listening have no desire to listen to a recap of the game. You know, first two minutes, three minutes, we we looked good. We were on top. We we swarmed all over him. You know, a couple of corners. I think we used played the conditions well as well. And then we've probably probably been the better side for the rest of the first half. But after that. What is it to talk about? You know, we've had however many months we are into the season now. We've had what three months of largely the same kind of repeated conversations, and I just have no desire to 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 do it today at all. Well, that was a lot of the listener questions I read through, wondering what we could get asked, and it was like, oh, you might as well just play the same as Forest last week. Yeah. And I honestly reckon if you were to discuss the how many games we played, nineteen, something like, if you were to play, you know, ninety percent of the games we played, it would be our oh, will. The manager has tactically been out of his depth, made some strange substitutions, which again he did yesterday, I thought, tinkering with it, you know, losing us the game. And then our, had a good 15, 20 minute spell, which, yeah, yesterday was a bit longer. We potentially could have turned the screw and tried to get another in the first half. But then again, like, it's just, it's just Groundhog Day every week. And yeah. It's just not exciting anymore. And I'm so disengaged with the football club. I know a lot of other fans are under the previous, said there's no reason to anyone to get excited anymore and for the fact no. that people Peter Isdale will talk about the playoffs like you say he's not going to publicly not back his manager but I found it almost insulting like how stupid does he think we are talking about the playoffs I'll give you a reason we can't make the playoffs we won 3-13 and 13 and our manager's got the worst CV out of anyone in English football Yeah, in the top four divisions it's it's insulting and yeah. like I, just, I don't you mentioned, know <laughs> yeah there's, there's, there's not much else to say is there like it's just been a, a large rinse well, it's been a copy and paste job for the majority of the season, but you mentioned substitutes there. You look at the 17 games before yesterday, we made 46 second half substitutes, and as a team, we've only scored three goals after their introduction. Three goals in That's 17 shocking. games. Uh, how bad is that? What, 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 what? I just, what is there to say off the back of that other than it's, it's shite? That's one of my issues, though. Like, I, keep, I hate going back to Alex Neil. I hate talking about the past, but he's the most recent example. When we had Alex Neil, you, you felt 
even his first season, like we changed it at Hull away and we won 2 1 when Horgan and Robinson, the two subs combined, yeah. had confidence in the manager to change it and see a difference. Like at Blackburn in the 3 2 in the last season, we had fans who had some more confidence in your manager. Off. Yeah, you had some more confidence in your manager that tactically he was capable enough to change the games. He felt if he did start poorly for the first half or the first hour or the first 27 minutes, he wasn't scared of making a change that would have a positive impact on the football with Frankie it seems like or even like we've discussed it at Blackpool away it was almost like they were just discussing it on the spot and they just turned to Barkey and Maguire and were like oh yeah you know come save us I think it's tactically it's out of depth and I have no confidence in this manager to change the game positively so when we're doing poorly at Cardiff like you talk about people walking off after 60 minutes I don't blame him because we're just not going to have any form of positive the only time he's changed it positively this season when they went to four at the back at Derby and we somewhat looked a bit threatening. But then again, you could point it and go, well, why haven't you started like that then? Mm. And it must transfer to the players as well. They must lack confidence in the seeing certain you know, players coming off and just fitting them into these systems that clearly aren't bringing the best out of them. I just, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Yeah. And just going back onto substitutes, I don't think a substitute has scored a goal this year. Well, they're bizarre. So I, I did think yesterday, though, I thought we missed... And we have missed it. We kind of miss that different type of striker, which is kind of realised why they signed Wicker. Is that you look at the bench yesterday? As soon as Cardiff get that two-one and they sit deep, what I mean, our strikers aren't very good in the air, are they? And we're crossing balls in. There was one point yesterday where there was a ball crossed in to Sinclair. Like, come on! And I kind of get that's why we signed just, Sinclair. Well, uh, sorry, just on Wickham, Sinclair, you know, uh, you know, we've we've hammered the manager, we've hammered the team as a whole. There were some players yesterday that just weren't weren't worth being on the pitch. Scott Sinclair played 22 minutes. He had two touches. Two touches in 22 minutes. But how do you get the ball to him, Jake? They, they, they couldn't... He was, he was playing... Well, he was kind of in the front three, wasn't he? And we weren't really playing... I don't know. I just uh, It was kind of just lumping... By the end of it, it was kind of just, just lumping in the box and then Bauer went up for a front for a bit as well I just think they had no Times direction he looked, yesterday he looked the most creative player up front for us yeah I don't I don't think like you can pick out players all you want I put a tweet about it yesterday but I just felt as though they had no real direction in that second half they looked lost yeah. they looked like they had no clue what to do not uh, for the first time even. no but yeah like I said an unusual first half to a pod and we'll we'll be back after a, a little break with and Fulham previews. I don't think it's going to get much better, so strap in. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We're going to look ahead to the Borough and Fulham games and that's it. So yeah, enjoy. Boys, yeah, uh, we, I know we were just talking in the in the break, but Sam, it seems like you're the only one out of us that's going to be stupid enough to travel to Borough on Tuesday night. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else to do, I think that's why, rather than actually wanting to watch the game. Yeah, it's a trip out of the house, isn't it? 
Yeah, something to do in it. Keep keep me busy. All right for you uni students and you don't have to get up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm meant to, but I might not put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adam, I think me and you will be on, on the red button, won't we? Yes, yeah, which is which is bad enough <laughs> at the minute. I think the, probably the best thing about Tuesday night, watch this now, we'll go and batter him. I, I, I doubt it, but I think the best thing about Tuesday night will be able to get in bed at a reasonable time. Borough has a sub, yeah. Um, yeah, I know Borough have just appointed Chris Wilder, haven't they? And, you know, we mentioned it in the first half that that's that's a club there that have taken action and looked at things and thought this isn't good enough. And to be fair, you know, I know they're above us in the league, but their results weren't that bad. I know they weren't great, but they weren't that bad. Certainly not as bad as ours. Um, but I think with that one for Borough it probably goes deeper than just results I think fans, a lot of fans are unhappy with the way Warnock was getting the team to play so I think it goes deeper than that and you know there's probably some similarities there to, to us I think we need to start looking at someone like we said in the first half that can come in and bring us a bit of an identity and just give fans something to be happy about and you know let's not beat about the bush Borough or not going up against Chris Wilder team it's not going to be easy at all the only benefit is that he's only played one game hasn't he and it's going to take a while for him to to adapt so that could be a, a bonus for us funny enough I've seen people asking for Warnock for us it's like come on like, let's, let's, not, let's, he's, let's he's forget about that years old. <laughs> yeah don't, don't get me wrong on, on one hand I think the comedy of having Warnock at the club would be good but no yeah, no. That's that's literally the only good thing I can think. Uh, just the the comedy factor of having Neil Warnock in charge. It'd be too short term as well. Again, yeah. You know, we need to think. We need to think properly about these things, don't we? Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, like like you said, they've only had one game. They played Millwall yesterday. Drew one one. Um, just to counter that though, there's a new manager bounce effect, isn't it? As well, I mean, Chris Wilder, his CV speaks for itself. You know. Done an outstanding job at Sheffield United. Two promotions on the bounce, and obviously that uh, first season in the Premier well. League. Yeah, exactly. In Oxford, as well. you know, you've got the fans. It'll get bums on seats. It's the type of appointment to really excite the fan base, and it will lead to that. Uh, I reckon it'll be a good atmosphere on Tuesday. It'll lead to that new manager bounce, and I think there's a lot of fixtures you'd rather have. Yeah, you know, when you're sort of to a failed not not seal your own coffin for Frankie McAvoy. There's a lot of places you'd rather go to than Middlesbrough, having just appointed Chris Wilder. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Borough against Millwall, they've they've dicked them in terms of like shots. I think they've had more than double the amount of shots that Millwall have had. Millwall have got something from the game through an own goal from Sol Bamba and they've they've set up in what you'd expect them to set up, uh, under Chris Wilder with the with the back three and five across the middle and two up top. So Yeah, it's gonna be tough. I don't think we've really fared well this season when we've come up against a team that's played a similar system to us with a back three or a back five so you know I'm not expecting Frankie to change much in terms of the system you know he's he's stuck with his tried and tested plan A for the entire entirety of the season almost and we are where we are off that and in fact that just saying that has just reminded me yesterday Frankie said something I don't know if it was to the press after the game or to in the official club interviews but he said something along the lines of like oh we are where we are and it's like is that is that it 
Is that all you've got, really? Well, it was similar to what really Peter was saying the other day when he said, what, where, do you, where would you expect us to be? <laughs> well, you know, not looking over our shoulder. That's what yeah. I'd hope, at least. I think everyone's in agreement that this squad is probably weaker than any that Alex Neal had. But it's certainly a lot better than what it is doing at the minute. You know, I personally believe our midfield's you know top six worthy. We've got a real sort of good component of different midfielders, and obviously I believe we've got the best shot stopper in the league in that. And obviously we've got Emil Reese, who's you know been really on fire this season. So there is sort of set. the key components of having a good squad set as well. They're obviously I doubt we'll have next season, but certainly this season, Patrick Bauer, top centre half, Andrew Hughes is. Personally, my shout out for player of the season so far. So yeah, I'm with you on there that. is the makings of a good, you know, well, there is the makings of a good squad there, but it's obviously, I think we're lacking that real top end championship quality. And don't get me wrong, you take Darnell Fisher, Callum Robinson, Jordan Ugill, Ben Pearson, Ben Davis out of any team, they're going to suffer for it. And that's what we've been stripped of in the last few years. But having said that, this squad should be more than capable of, mm. you know, staying well clear of the relegation zone without really challenging for the top six. You know, trying to. I'm trying to stay maybe a little bit more on topic, looking at Bury. You look at their squad. There's there's an argument that they've got a better squad than us, but there's not much. There's not much in it. However, you look at it. But what a decent squad or an average squad, whatever you want to call it. What they have when they do well is a good manager, a manager that can drill them and get that extra ten twenty percent out of them. Bury have got that. You know, Chris Wilder is proven. He's got a track record. We don't have that. Yeah, it's, you look at them with envy, don't you? With with Chris Wilder, he's a hundred percent, hundred percent. So but, yeah, that Sheffield United squad was never a top ten Premier League team. Let's not beat no. around the bush. It was one of the favourites for relegation. They took him up there. You know, good man management, a good system. You know, clearly a good coach as well. A lot of players improved. You had a lot of players from. You know, that he inherited in League One that he'd obviously taken with him to the Premier League, the likes of Chris Basham and people like that that he'd obviously taken with him all the way up, just shows yeah. how good a coach he is. And that's one of my issues with Frankie. It's only really Reese and Josh Earl and Andrew Hughes, I'd argue, is only because he's made position that he's actively, you can see an improvement with, whereas in the past, just in the likes of Alan Brown, Ben Davis, given Callum chances Robinson, and really improved, Callum Hugo. Robinson, yeah. Both. Whereas Bens, he's a good coach, Greg, both Ben's. All, Tom Clark, all improved under. You know, I'd argue Alex got more out of players that you look at and think you struggle to get more out of as well. You know, Clark was aging when he took over, wasn't he? And obviously, mm. he stayed another few three seasons and all with us. I know he was a scapegoat for a lot of fans, as we seem to have a few players like that every season, no matter who's in charge. But Potts. Mm, well, yeah, Potts, Brownie, <laughs> Sean. He's been one for a long time, hasn't he? Um, yeah, Tuesday's. Make or break for me. I think, you know, looking ahead to Saturday against Fulham, it's a bit of a gimme, isn't it, really? No one expects anything from that. And and I think the the key thing with the Fulham game for me is the club cannot let a good result over, uh, paper over any of the cracks that have been visible for the last two months, three months. You cannot look at, you know, you, you can argue we did it with the Bournemouth result and I think a lot of fans, as as much as we were, you know, obviously buzzing that we'd won away and gone to a team who hadn't lost it this season, but I think a lot of fans were probably of the mind that 
this is probably going to give him a bit more time. The, the, the same cannot happen after Fulham if we lose. I think for the yeah. Fulham game, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult because I know we played against Bournemouth and we, we sat back and kind of let them have the ball out wide. But I think Fulham are, are kind of a team where their options out wide are just as good as, as the options they've got through the middle. And the goal difference, plus 33, you compare that to us, minus five. They're a really, really dangerous team. <laughs> you know, <we're... laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I found that so funny. I shouldn't laugh at all. Yeah. For fuck's sake. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a really tough game and it'll be interesting to see how we how we try and play it because they're just so dangerous. Um yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. No. It's an expensively assembled squad as well. I think Harry Wilson cost what the rest of the championship spent on transfer fees combined. So says so all twelve million quid for a guy who's done it at championship level. A lot of years had a good crack in the Premier League. A lot of people believe he can still play in the Premier League, which is probably why he's Gone to Fulham, obviously we mentioned off-camera Mitrovic. Top, I think he needs 11 goals to break the championship record and you know, when we're in fucking November. It's just it's mental looking through what they've got. I think one thing as well to, to note, obviously today Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been let go by Man United and I tweeted something before um, that I saw on Twitter saying... The biggest indictment of Solskjaer for me is just how far down the Premier League you go before you find a manager that you wouldn't have over him. Genuinely sure, not genuinely not sure there is one. Any half decent coach will immediately stop the rot based on the strength of their squad alone. And someone replied and said, "You can keep, you can go to the bottom of the Premier League and keep going for quite a while, I think." And the fellow Paul Ghost, who is a Liverpool journalist, uh, replied and said. Yeah, it's hard to find someone you'd unequivocally think Solskjaer is better than, isn't it? And this fella replied with, I got to Preston, so 36th in the country before I even had to think about it. Says everything, doesn't it? Says everything. I think with that, you've, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. But, yeah. yeah. Borough, going to be tough. Fulham, you know, whatever comes from that. I think no one's expecting anything really, to be honest. I think the only positive is that it's twelve thirty kickoff, so it means I'll be in the pub a bit earlier. Oh, is it twelve thirty? Yeah, it's oh, it's sky, isn't it? Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah, definitely, Jay. Straight in the pub then. Yeah. <laughs> On a real though, it'll be interesting to see what the attendance is. How many people, you know, especially for these at Middlesbrough and Frankie's still in charge. Like, you know, if the attendance is sub ten thousand, because Fulham, I doubt, will bring a lot with it being on Sky. I doubt. I bet a few Preston fans all it takes it to be a miserable Saturday morning to think, oh. Well, Watch it on the TV, you know, it could easily have a sub-10,000 crowd on, I think. Because like you said before, Jake, it's not like under Alex Neal where we play a big team and, you know, there'll be a real sort of okay. drive from the city to come in and get behind the team, you yeah. know, under the floodlights. So it's just not like there at the minute. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be tough. Of course, we could win both games, but like I said five minutes ago, wins at this point now cannot cover over the the obvious deficiencies that we're experiencing at the minute from a playing point of view. I think the time has come, there has to be change for me. Uh which leads me on to the final point of the pod. In fact no, we'll do predictions. What 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 are you saying for Borough? Lose two now. I think we'll get a draw. One one. A fun Tuesday night out for you, Sam. Yeah. yeah I said the same about <laughs> Bournemouth though and that turned out all right, didn't it? So. Uh, I think I think we might scrape a draw as well, Adam, to be fair. I think nil nil. Can't see us scoring. Can't see them scoring. 
Thought I make my trip worth it, won't it? Zero goals, six yeah. hours of travel. <laughs> Fulham, what, what are you saying? Four nil to Fulham. Yeah, I think we'll lose. I mean, it could be it could be anything, couldn't it? I I think I think we'll only lose like two nil. I think it it won't be as bad as has been uh, perhaps many many think. Because yeah, I think well, we'll be defensive, won't we? We're not going to come oh, out yeah, and tackle them. So we're hard to break down, aren't we? Yeah. My worry is that we're given that much of the ball that they'll just break us down because you can you know you can sit ten men behind the ball, but when they've got the quality players they have in the wide areas in the half yeah. space and with Mitrovic, you know, realistically they could have four chances and put the ball in the back of the net four times. It's not unfathomable, is it? So I always find early kickoffs to be a bit flat. Um so it'll be it'd be a bit of a weird atmosphere, won't it, I think. Yeah. Well their their last seven games. <laughs> been four one, one nil, seven nil, three nil, four nil, two nil, four one. Ridiculous, isn't it? Like what's what's the average there? Averaging three goals a game? Four Minimum. goals a game? I don't know, I'm shit at maths, but it's, it's a lot. It's more certainly more than us anyway. Um, I could work it out, but it's too long. Yeah. Last my last point, obviously normally in these I would have had numerous listener questions, but we've had literally next to nothing come through on Twitter, which given that we normally get the most response on social media after a defeat and after yesterday, <laughs> we've got nothing really that, that has been worth including. I, I think maybe five or six replies. I think that just shows the apathy in the fan base. You know, people just, people just don't care anymore. And that's a really sad indictment of where things are at. But there was one that I think we'll, we'll end on. And I apologise, I can't remember who asked this question, but it was quite a simple one, to be fair. Where do we go from here? In my opinion, I think the issues that the club run a lot deeper than Frankie. Don't get me wrong, the fact Frankie was appointed probably, you know, highlights some of the issues we have. But I think the first thing foremost is the issues off the club aren't going to sort of solve themselves overnight. It's going to be a gradual process of change. But for me, we need to bring in a manager who's going to separate the football from the club are going to have to bring in a manager who's going to get a set style of football. You know, some of it's going to get bums on seats, really entertain us fans. And then hopefully over time, the rest of the changes, you know, off the pitch in terms of like your recruitment policies and all that. Youth Academy, little sort of production will sort of take care of itself over time. But for me, we just need a manager in who's going to get a set style of football, play some attractive football and really invest in that manager and build something long term because short term, this season's written off for me. If we stay above the bottom three, and it a bit respectably, I'll be, you know, satisfied. Yeah, I think we need to go get, well, it needs to be a change of manager, I think. and We, we need to get in someone young, um, exciting, somebody who can galvanise the fan base again. And that's on the field. And then off the field, I thought Peter made a, an interesting point the other day when he said that there's not a lot of turnaround in staff, which I, I don't particularly see as a benefit really in that you've not got fresh ideas and and you know changes coming into the club and I think there needs to be some fresh ideas off the field and there needs to be an opportunity to create some some unity from top to bottom um, and I think it, unless that happens then we're pretty much staying as we are at best um, so yeah that's what I'd like to see and that's where I think we should go from from where we are now yeah. Similar to what Blackpool have done with Neil Critchley. I mean, they obviously had the uh, changes off the pitch with uh, Sandler coming in from the Oysters, which regalvanised the fans as it is, no matter who they brought in. But you look at sort of on the pitch, what they did with Neil Critchley, you know, we had a 
a great record as a coach. They've brought him in. They've taken care of him. Obviously, the new contract he signed, like I texted you about, Jake. And obviously, he's uh, been backed in the market. He's brought in the type of players he wants. And now they're reaping the rewards for that. I think we need to go down a similar path of bringing in a coach who's going to play his way, give him the tools he needs to succeed, and then let the football take care of itself, really. And hopefully, off the pitch, then, you know, it gives us time and it gives the likes of Peter Ridsdale maybe get the fans off the back a little bit to maybe make the changes he wants or you know, for Craig Evans to make the changes he wants because that's a longer sort of thing to solve than potentially on the football matters where you're going to bring in a manager and back him. Yeah, no, I don't really have anything else to say, to be honest, lads. I've I've said what I need to say. And yeah, let's hope for for change soon. Yeah, it's been a good therapy session, this Jake. <laughs> yeah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's been an hour-long what... rant, on it, really? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Hopefully that's what listeners take from it. Um you know, like I said, I appreciate it. it's not been the usual kind of episode, but there's, there's nothing, you know, we're banging the same drum we have been doing for weeks now. Uh, so, yeah, I think the clock is well and truly ticking. It's going to be a telling few days and weeks for, for the football club and, and the head coach. But thanks for sticking with us on the pod and thanks for listening to episode 16. It's much appreciated. There will be an episode out on Thursday from the Finney Meets Billy Bowden. So check that out. It's a good listen. Bill's a top lad, very honest and open. Um, And I think the key takeaway for me was just pure frustration. I won't give too much away, but he was fit from pretty much the end of January to the end of last season and never got a run out. So yeah, make sure you listen to that. It'll be probably just over an hour with with Bill. Yeah, boys, thank you very much. Much appreciated. It's a pleasure, mate. Thank you. Yeah, cheers, Jake.